Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala. I know too much, simply too much, about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That is the premise of the show. And with me, as always, is the voice of the people, the skeptic, the little devil upon my shoulder, Kristen Suttered. Hi, Kristen. Hello, Joe. How you feeling? I feel okay. I yeah, I've I've I feel okay. It's been a busy week in my life and I'm I'm but I'm ready to pod, baby. Perfect. That's the attitude uh that I could uh, you know, most optimistically expect, I, I think. Uh let's uh let's bring in our guest. You know, the, these episodes uh, they're getting exciting. We're talking about the artists on the ballot and uh, returning to the show for the third time coming to us from Cleveland. Ohio. Our listeners might remember uh, she's the author of the 33 and a third about Duran Duran's Rio. Here she is back again, Annie Zaleski. Hey, Annie. Hey there. Thanks for having me back. It's always great to talk to you. Uh, We are in the thick of it right now in nomination season and ballot season. And uh, for the record, you are a voter. I am. And my ballot showed up. Whoa. Okay, great. Um, now, I mean, we can, we can jump right into it. Let's, let's just talk about this ballot. I mean, that's, it's the reason for the season. (laughs) Um, what are we, uh, what are we thinking? I don't know. Do you think you are ready to lock it in or you have your thoughts thing? You know, what's the process here? You know, it's, this is a really tough year for me. I mean, I think that's a testament to there. I, it could go a lot of different ways. Like I know, Mm -hmm. like, the, the person we're going to be talking about today, I know, is a lock on my ballot. And um, I think George Michael is a lock on my ballot. And I think Missy Elliott is. But my other two votes are like totally up in the air. It could go so many different ways. This is a very strong ballot. And I could I could I could make cases for pretty much every single one of the artists to be now inducted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the uh, the eternal struggle. Some years harder than others. Uh, and listen, the people who are listening already clicked on the title of this episode, so they know <laughs> it's going to be, we're going to be talking about Cindy Lauper. But yeah, like you said, Cindy Lauper, Missy Elliott, George Michael, those those are pretty in line with what we would advocate for. Yeah. Oh, fully. I mean, I love to hear that. I, those are, those are some... Uh, some of our favorite. If there's if there's two left, I know the ones that I would I would push for. So maybe we can we can discuss that. I'm not saying we have any influence on you, but we'll have a, we'll have a, we'll have a lively discussion. Um, the the first one I think is is Kate Bush. Because, and I love Kate Bush. And like it to me, it feels like if not this year, when, right? It just yeah, has I mean momentum. She had, you know, it's so funny. It's, it's like you almost wish that like all the Stranger Things stuff had happened like before last year's ballot because she mm-hmm. would have been a lock. And like she is still kind of running the momentum. And I mean, that's what I'm leaning toward. I love Kate Bush. She's she's a genius. She's an auteur and she is so influential. And so, you know, when I look at my fourth and fifth votes, like I I, I kind of agree with you that it's like now or never almost that if she's going to get in, it's going to be this year. And so I should push my weight toward that. So I, I admittedly, I am I am leading that direction. Yeah, it's yeah. So because sometimes you have to, to hear it. you have to consider <laughs> you have to consider the X factors, right? You have to consider these variables beyond because if you're just going by like who's great, you look at this ballot and you're like, well, that that doesn't really help exactly. me. Everyone is. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. Uh, and so, you know, the, it's a little bit of a, a strategy where it's like, okay, Kate had an exceptional 
year, the momentum is on her side. Gotta, gotta put your, your weight behind her. We think, but then again, I think this is the most competitive ballot we've seen in a while. And I don't know that I could make a strong prediction because I want to say there's nine artists on here that I would say have a very good shot of getting in. And usually it's not that usually you can say like, I know the five or six that are going to get in, but this is, this is kind of, this is uh this makes for an exciting season. This is like a good strategy year because I look at this and I see like Cheryl Crow and the white stripes and I'm like, They'll probably get in eventually, but maybe not this year. So maybe we can save those votes for another year and vote for some other people that, yeah, maybe need a little bit of help. Like I think I voted for a tribe called Quest last year and I think they're so overdue to get in. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, well, maybe this year I should push to them or Iron Maiden, who I've long thought has been such an oversight, not been in. So there's also that. But mm-hmm. there's also the X factor. Maybe some of these artists that are on the ballot are going to be pushed toward like a you know early influence. So maybe that'll happen because we've we've seen that happen before. So there's that other thing. It's like, well, is one of my votes going to count for that? Should I vote mm-hmm. for someone else? Mm-hmm. It is. It feels very strategic this year. Ooh, right. and you know, I love to hear that. And we like fully agree with kind of your impulses and your instinct, if not necessarily the likelihood that um, some of these uh, ones like uh, Cheryl Crow and the White Stripes, I-, I think we very much feel that they're, most people are not thinking strategically and are thinking, oh, White Stripes, <laughs> they should get in. Oh, Cheryl Crow, she's my friend. <laughs> like, uh... <laughs> Yeah, because well, that's the thing. It's like the, the impulse to not go for them this year is in line with us, but we, we kind of think of it as a, they don't need the votes kind of perspective especially when you look at Cheryl Crow and and Jack White specifically mm-hmm. are extremely visible uh friendly with the industry icons and those tend to do well in in the voting and so you you kind of have the one two punch of they don't need my vote and if they if they don't get in and it's my fault not a big deal because they have plenty of time there's no there's no rush here that's exactly it yeah, I think they're likely getting in. And then what yeah, when you look at like there's all okay, there's also the strategy of and this sucks, but it's the truth. When an artist is on a ballot for the first time, that is probably statistically their best shot of getting in. Yeah. Obviously mm-hmm. artists get in on mul- after multiple ballots, but every year you look at who gets in, majority of artists are the ones who made the ballot for the first time that year, whether or not they were newly eligible or they just had years and years of being snubbed and finally made the ballot, which is why, like, you know, we were pushing for tribe really hard last mm-hmm. year. And Boy, because it was their first time on the ballot. This factor was going to help. I will say, I think that the De La kind of um, excitement of their mm-hmm. music being released on streaming could in some way help tribe this year uh that's, just I think that's, by a kind, association, that's a kind assessment but by yeah. association i don't i still don't think it's likely don't get me wrong uh but you know i i guess it feels like it's more in the air for them than it was last year you know I would agree with that because there is sort of a groundswell behind hip hop and anniversaries. And I think I think there's mm-hmm. a big TV special maybe happening too. For the 50th anniversary yeah. of hip hop. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, that, you know, it is on people's mind. And I was like with you, like, I thought I'm like, they need to get in. Like first, like 
you know, this is so obvious. I was actually very surprised they didn't get in last year because I think they're very popular and I think they have a lot of industry support. So maybe it'll be the year. I don't, yeah, I don't but know. Then you have to remember that it's like every single member of the Moody Blues gets a ballot and, you know, <laughs> do they maybe not, are they a member of the, the music industry critical, you know, uh, mass? It, Probably yeah. not. Like I, I, I'm, I'm coming from a, a last year being so gung ho on Tribe, one of my favorite groups of all time, to kind of recognizing the futility of it this year. Of <laughs> oh my gosh, oh, the, I'm so sorry, the but Paul like has beaten you, Joe. Yeah. Don't let it happen. I just, I just look at, I look at the artists on this ballot, and I think about how we've got Tribe for the second year in a row. We have, and the year uh, in a row is always a hard one. That's too. tough, and also like. I hate to say lane splitting, but like, you know, Missy and Q-Tip are like in the same world, have worked with each other a bunch. Missy to me has the momentum, has the excitement for a lot of reasons, Mm -hmm. both uh, the, how solid her career is and how much of an icon she is to the fact that like, we don't have a a woman uh, hip hop performer inducted yet we've never inducted a black woman on her first year of eligibility before. Like there's a lot of kind of historical achievements in addition to the, the discography. I just, I think the excitement goes to Missy. And I do think that kind of always happens. The other hip hop artist suffers in the voting, sadly, you know, mm-hmm. perhaps we are here to make a change, but like if you're to kind of realistically evaluate what tends to happen, that's, and I hate saying that because again, tribe is a, uh, they're the, they're the best. But I think it's the same thing with like like Rage Against the Machine and Soundgarden. I think mm. they too, they split the vote, you know, because if you're, you're looking to vote correct. one. Absolutely. Yes. yes, yes, yes. And so that sucks. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. You know, there, there's more more bands that should get in, but it's like, you know, that it's this, this ain't going to be the year. Uh, which leads me to Joy Division New Order, which would be, that would be, Ah, my advocacy shows true. Uh, ah. This is yeah, just because I think we're we're looking at uh, a group that has made the ballot for the first time, ha- having been eligible for a while. Mm-hmm. We're also looking at, you know, we had the Cure not long ago. We had Depeche Mode the year after. We are kind of that's a that's a spot that it seems the voters now finally are responding to. And, you know, they're so crucial to that uh, kind of post-punk era, you know, before those groups that I just mentioned, even. They're sort of the biggest group beyond like the people you mentioned who aren't in at this point, too, I think. You know, when you look at, I mean, they've everyone else has been inducted at this point. Mm -hmm. So I think they're the kind of the one, you know, totem left in a sense. So, I, you know, and I, I think the only thing that might trip people up is the fact that it's both bands. And it's so interesting because I can, it, they're, 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 they're interrelated, of course, but they're so different and their influence, I think, is so different. So I have mm. a feeling I could almost see that tripping people up. Yeah, but at the same rate, get over it <laughs> to those people, you know what I mean? It's like, to me, like, especially kind of knowing the history of that band and its yeah. trajectory, it just, it makes perfect sense to me why they would be together because the the story of kind of turning one into the other was so totally. uh, fluid um but i also and i also just think about how critically beloved they are and how beloved they are by musicians they are really on the cusp sure. i think because i don't think they quite passed that test of ubiquity and name recognition that say yeah. 
Willie Nelson and mm. Cheryl and oh, George yeah. Michael and Cindy Lauper have. Don't which forget about Willie. Lower, but <laughs> I think it also they're almost like the Roxy music of this ballot where like the influence is so strong. They, especially within music circles and musicians, I feel like they have a fighting chance, but they could use the support. I would agree with that. And it's, it's so funny because this year, like we kind of talked about, this is such, it feels like such a solo artist year, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, I, I, you know, Willie and Warren, I mean, obviously we haven't mentioned Warren Zevon who people have been, calling for for years mm-hmm. years to be on and i think he's also kind of a wild card because i feel like that he has industry support in some circles but maybe like the la kind of but not maybe necessarily other places so i'm not sure i i could almost see them saying like willie is like an early influence to get him in i mean but he'll get the thing is they won't have to do that because he'll get he'll probably get the most votes of anybody and really? so I, I, I he it's the, the kind of Dolly Parton. Warren Zevon is kind of like the West Coast New York Dolls type of uh, absolutely great uh, nomination uh, this year. You know where you might have the kind of West Coast musical intelligentsia who are like, this guy's so important. How could he not be in? This is a a crime. The way that all the New York critics are every year with the New York Dolls and. And and that hasn't uh, necessarily panned out for them just yet. It's very interesting to speak to you, uh, somebody who is so typical of one of our voters, you know, versus <laughs> the voters at large. Uh, kind that's of true. Yeah, that's You're our like, sample oh, yeah, size. What about Warren Zevon? I'm like, that's a name that has barely made a little, just like a no. blip on our podcast, uh, you know, or in the grand uh, scheme of things, like that's not leading the headlines. Uh, Zivon nominated. But he is a dark horse. You're right. He, he is. is a wild yeah. card. Absolutely. Yes. Because he fits the classic rock model more yes. than anybody else on this yeah. ballot. And, you, and, to, and to bet against that is not uh, necessarily a wise move, but he could end up being like a Todd Rundgren uh, who takes a few turns, like barely misses the cut, but... Yeah, I mean, Zivon's great. The other thing, uh, kind of practically, where we're like, sadly, you know, it's posthumous. There's not exactly a, a rush. It, you know, spiritually, mm-hmm. it, yeah. it, it would mean something. But when you have other people on the ballot that could experience the uh, acknowledgement, that's just when you have to split hairs like that. That's kind of one way to go about it. And this ballot too, when when you look at it, there are so many artists who are no longer with us who are on the ballot, like a surprising amount. So when you Mm -hmm. think about like people getting in, it's like, oh my God, you know, Chris Cornell is gone and Ian Curtis is gone. And obviously George Michael, it's like, wow, you know, and Warren's gone, you know, if they all get in, it'd be kind of interesting, like how, you know, in terms of what the show is, is like, is it all tributes? You know, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. I mean, and we almost had that in 2020 before it went virtual because we had Whitney, we had T-Rex, we had Notorious big uh but we never got to see how that would have played out but yeah i mean you're right you've got i mean just beyond that fife dog uh yeah most mm-hmm. of right. the spinners uh which is very sad so anyway that's my push would be i'd do the bush push and then i would uh advocate <laughs> oh, for, for joy division new order would be on the record but you know the the chips may fall where they do but i think uh let's talk about cindy lopper why don't we? Oh. Um, I would, and I let's start kind of on on a personal level. Uh, what her music means to you, and like if you remember 
when you first heard Cindy Lauper? Like, what's your story with with Cindy? I mean, it's funny because I was trying to remember, and I don't remember a time when like her music wasn't part of my life. And you know, and I was I was alive when she put out her debut record, but I was really young, so I have no memory of like life before Cindy. You know, she was always just she was so omnipresent in the eighties in ways that like that like things like pop culture I was absorbing that I didn't even know. Like she sang, like I was a huge, huge, huge Pee Wee's Playhouse fan. Yes. And she sang the theme song. And pull yourself up a chair. And so like every like Saturday morning, I was listening to Cindy sing this song. And I didn't even realize it was her until so many years later. Mm-hmm. So she's always been like, she's one of those artists that's sort of like I've absorbed by osmosis, basically, because mm-hmm. I heard her stuff on the radio. Like I have a Halloween costume picture where it's like this hybrid of like Punky Brewster meets Cindy Lauper meets like Jem. I, I, I called myself a punk rocker. I was like eight oh years old. Oh my gosh. That <laughs> is- I have like ridiculous like like lots of colors and i'm like oh yeah that's absolutely cindy lopper and so she was always kind of there in the background yeah right because in and like when you think of like mtv artists like yeah the the type of artists maybe these are the type of artists you're drawn to because you you've written so much about duran duran and now we're talking cindy lopper like the people who feel like mm-hmm. they were made to be on a music video it's because she was so colorful i mean you look at her all, you know, I mean, first off, you know, diving in her fashion, I mean, she, she made, she put together these outfits that should not work at all, but they worked amazingly on her and her hair was just like, so cool. And, you know, with different colors and different hairstyles and shaved and spiked. And like, when yeah. you're like eight years old, like she looked like the coolest thing on earth. You really hit upon something when you described your Halloween costume where you were like, I was like, Jem meets Cindy Lauper meets like, what was it? Like Punky Brewster. Punky Brewster. (laughs) You know, I mean, I can, that just like a nerve inside of me, like a chord was struck. And I was like, yes, you would wear like a tutu, crimp half of your hair. You're like six. You put like, you know, you take like your whatever, my little pony hair clip and like put that in one side of your hair and you're like i'm a punk rocker yeah. which is also just like absolutely not what what you exactly. are but very much like uh because you're confused you just see that this is what it is this is being cool is having big weird wild hair wearing a lot of colors many layers funky yep. jewelry like bingo and that's that. punk and yeah. that's punk rock baby yeah. in a nutshell <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, that's kind of like the the impact on you uh, as a young person. But then, as as you got older, and then got you know your your connection to music deepens. Uh, how how has Cindy been a part of that as well? I mean, I think you know, as I've gotten older, I appreciate more kind of the depth and breadth of her career because mm-hmm. I think everyone knows she's so unusual. That was her debut record. It had a billion hits. It mm-hmm. had, you know, it was super colorful. It was super 80s, super new wave, things like that. But when you look at her career, she's done ballads. She's done blues records. She's done country records. I loved her country record. I interviewed her twice behind that. And I saw that tour too. Cause I was like, I need to sing, see her sing like Patsy Cline and mm-hmm. looked up to all expectations. So the fact that, you know, she seems like this very cartoonish kind of colorful person, but there's a lot of depth there, you know, cause I think everyone thinks of her voice as being like very cartoonish and silly, mm-hmm. but she has a, a 
amazing voice and she knows how to use it in many different ways and different genres and her songwriting too. I don't think she gets very much credit at all for the song she writes. And she's covered everything from abortion to racism, to human rights, to the AIDS crisis, to and like written all these like really deep songs and they maybe weren't on the radio and they maybe weren't, you know, super popular in the mainstream, but so she was, but she was making these really kind of, you know, personal, interesting records. And I love that because she saw her career as she was like, she didn't see boundaries. She saw possibilities everywhere. And, you know, just as someone, you know, when you work in a music industry, you know, women get pigeonholed. And the mm-hmm. fact that she was like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And I'm going to act. And I'm going to win an Emmy. And I'm going to go on Broadway and do that. I mean, it's she just, her career, like she's done so much more in her career than I think people realize. So I really appreciate that. Like from, from distance and from studying her career, like I have so much respect for that. Yeah. I mean, like you said, she won an Emmy. And I, I want to give her props because usually... When you get like the artists who are close to an EGOT and she's got an Emmy, a Grammy, a Tony, usually Mm -hmm. it's all for one discipline. Exactly. You get like John Mm -hmm. Williams composed in, in each of these categories. But what I like, I, what I like about Cindy's because it's a little bit more pure. She won an Emmy for acting. In Mad About You in a sitcom. A guest <laughs> actress on Mad About You. Wow. And, and I'm like, that's that's the true range that yeah. the original EGOT conversation was about that we've lost sight of a little bit. I mean, it's certainly, it's very um, impressive, you know, when songwriters get all four, but it's always just for songwriting. And I think mm-hmm. like, all right, all right, Cindy, you're you're kind of doing it. You're doing it the way that's, way more impressive that's exactly it and i think that's like the best trivia question too it's like okay yeah sitcom helen hunt paul reiser i'm sure i watched that too at the time you know i was like a teenager mm-hmm. you know because i watched whatever was on tv and but yeah i mean she like just the range you know no one would expect that like that's the best trivia question when you tell people what did cindy lopper win an emmy for like unless you really know that people will be like i don't know you know uh-huh. so yeah Right. And she was dating what cousin, not cousin Ira, whoever the cousin Ira of Mad About You is. <laughs> is it like his brother or something? I don't know. I I remember watching Mad About You in a, uh, in the same way of like whatever was on TV. I was exactly. just Googling like, who was Cindy Lauper on yeah. Mad About You? She, she played an a arc. character named Marianne Legasso. She, she had she an arc. A few episodes. Yeah. Very funny. Um, and when you talk about her range, I, I, that kind of transitions into kind of talking about, I'd like to talk a little bit about like the lead up of her life and career up to She's So Unusual, because obviously that's the album, that's her debut album, Solo, and that's the one people know about, but she was involved with a band before that album. Who I love. They're called, they were called Blue Angel and they, you know, they had a record out and it's like, it's weirdly like it's on YouTube, but like, it's not streaming anymore, I don't think. And so it's like weirdly kind of obscure, but it was like, like in the like late seventies, early eighties, when like, I I use this in quotes, but like retro music was starting to be popular. So it was like sort of rockabilly 
sort of like early rock and roll. And so she basically fronted a band and it was just like this very cool kind of, you know, quirky band. She was sort of doing like her proto Cindy as, you know, the lead singer of the band, but she really learned how to be a performer. And I mean, and even before that she was in cover bands. So, you know, when you look at her solo career, like it, it makes total sense why she was so dynamic on stage because she was used to fronting a band. Basically she was used to being kind of a lead singer, but yeah, she was singing Janis Joplin. She was singing kind of like rockabilly. So even then she was kind of doing a diversity, you know, kind of a diversity of voices and kind of a very eclectic sort of um, approach. Yeah. It's like she had the, she had the training in a band yeah. almost, I mean, the, and the, and they had a record that was released, but it was almost like in, in private because it like didn't do well. So she right, got to like totally. get to that point. So when she did go solo, she was fully formed. Totally. And I think Blue Angel had like, there was like bad business dealings and things like that. And so it was like, you know, it's, you know, the oldest story in the book where you have a debut record, it doesn't go anywhere. And then there's like bad things with management. So yeah. And so then when she finally actually signed a solo debut, she was, she was ready to go and she had the songs. I mean, that's what's so great about She's So Unusual is that she had great collaborators and she had great kind of source material to work with as well. Two things. Uh, number one, it, I was correct. Cousin Ira is is the character on Mad About You. I I'm can't glad, believe I, I knew it on it. site. <laughs> I knew it on site. I saw the picture of the two together. I said, that's Cousin Ira. She played his ex-wife. <laughs> um, the other thing is like, so where did she like grow up? What what kind of like city was this band coming up in? The Blue Angels. So she grew up in New York and then they were, I think they were from New York. And so oh, it was that's like, like, and where like in, that, that's where yeah. that accent comes from, huh? Exactly. It, is, it is fun. When you asked that question, I was like, where's Cindy Lauper from? I know, but you never, you could be an the, affectation. Exactly. You know, it's such a Madonna. wild voice. Madonna, exactly. Like she's from Michigan. Like, <laughs> does she sound like she's from Michigan? No. You know, it's a, now she sounds like she's from London. Um, but like, yeah, I guess that was like, is she from New York City? Like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know Cindy's life. I just thought maybe we knew where were they playing? Like, how old was like that kind of thing? I thought we might get a little backup. What's so funny, yeah, is that so she was, it's funny because she was born in 1953. So when she was in Blue Angel, like she was already kind of in her mid twenties, which is funny. And it goes, when you think about it, when she really like broke out, she was 30, which is not uh -huh. old. But like which now, if you're a 30 year old pop star, it's like, oh my God, you're ancient. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's that's totally true. Uh, but like the the way she presented herself, it was like she transcended age. Like you, totally yeah. Like and she felt very youth culture oriented. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And so that that debut album, you know, she's so unusual, came out in 1983, which then made her eligible for the Rock Hall in 2009. So that's that's what we're looking wow. at. Could, could, could have been in as early as 2009, has not been on a ballot until this year, 2023. Uh, and you know what I thought was kind of surprising is that she has never, as far as I can tell, never participated in an induction ceremony before. And, uh. you know, I, and the reason I say that's surprising is just she, she's at the Grammys a lot. She's just, she's extremely visible um, and is involved in a lot of, industry events and i was i just thought that was odd that like not not once has she ever been she's never inducted anybody she's never done a, a tribute performance i mean maybe she's gone but like not in an official in official capacity 
It's interesting because she did do like a rock hall sponsored, like I think women who rock event mm, like at, at the some museum. Point, it was at it was weird because it was sponsored by them, but it was it was in Cleveland. I went to it. It was mm-hmm. it was like at a it was a different venue. It was like public hall, so it was like one of the right. bigger venues. And I think it was a benefit. I don't. It was it was a long time ago. I want to say it was maybe at least over a decade ago. And like she was on that. I believe Wanda Jackson was on it. I think Kurt Smith from Tears for Fears was there. I think okay. that's the same event. Uh, but she was great. I mean, she was obviously fabulous. There's some, I know there's some YouTube footage because there's like a whole group thing at the end. And I think they're doing girls just want to have fun. And it's like everyone on stage. I think Wanda Jackson's on stage doing something. It's totally, totally weird. Like one of the great <laughs> rock hall, you know, jams mm-hmm. type thing. Right. But yeah, but right. I think you're right. I think that was, so she's friendly, at least with the rock hall. She's like, you know, friends of the rock hall, but you're right. I don't think she's actually been at a ceremony, which seems, and the fact that she's been nominating so many years too, or, you know, eligible for so many years, it's just sort of astounding that she hasn't really been in the conversation before this year. Yeah. Uh, but now she is. And, uh, you know, the frustrating thing about the hall is that there's really no criteria with which to evaluate an artist's uh, potential <laughs> induction. Like if you're, if you, how, like we just said, we looked at this list of- If only there was some way to really just, I don't know, synthesize it in a, if, a digestible format that kind of draws on the past and kind of helps to look to the future. If only someone had done the work- If, if only- to Try to break down what, what kind of, I don't know, I'm going to call them- categories an artist might need to do well in in order to be increasing their likelihood of getting inducted uh just if only some brave hero would come forward and finally reveal themselves as having put together i don't know five six categories six cat let's say six categories well you know what we should do we should give the time for this person to potentially stand up and reveal themselves uh, after we take a break. So we'll take a break, see if we can find anybody who has oh anything my like this. I'll put Criteria, out something. We'll find yes. out. All right, so let's take a little bit of a break and we'll be right back. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well... I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break, uh, you, you found looked, that hero. You found I that hero. So. 
I know we did, because as it turns out, I have a list of categories. Well, the hero was you. Sometimes you just have to look in the mirror and you realize the hero was you all along. (laughs) It's it's pretty remarkable. Um, So let's start off with our first category, iconic slash majorly recognizable songs. And this is a category where I feel like we can kind of go chronologically because I do mm-hmm. think when it comes to the songs that people know from Cindy, it peaks like right out of the gate. Cause the first single from she's so unusual was girls just want to have fun. She set the bar very high for herself Ooh. from first. Yeah. I mean, I think, that's, I mean, I do even need to talk about that song. Everyone knows that song. That is like from the uh, opening sound. Yeah, yes. I would say most people can recognize that song in one second. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's one uh, of the few, like, truly, absolutely, astonishingly recognizable opening first note, like first chord or gliss. I don't know what you call that. Some sort of glissando, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, electronic glissando. But yeah, it's like, this isn't just like one of her most iconic songs. This is like one of the most iconic songs of the 80s. Oh, yeah. Full stop. Uh, And we can talk a little bit about the origins of the song, because that's, I mean, everybody knows this song, but everybody might not know where this song came from. And it's it's so funny, because you're right. It's, it was written by a guy, Robert Hazard, who was like extremely popular around Philadelphia, especially. He was one of those regional artists that like, was just, you know, uh, could sell like massive amounts of tickets there. And he wrote it. Like he, a, uh, a Jay Giles band or a or Boston uh, or, or like a yeah. Donny Iris in Pittsburgh. I'll, I'll yes. Oh. That's great. Cause I don't yes. know if you know, I'm from Pittsburgh. So I know, I know. Donny say no more. Say very no more. well. <laughs> I, I did a I just a quick sidebar. I did a show over the holidays back in Pittsburgh, uh, and they brought me up to Donnie Iris, and I was very happy. Yes. Um, anyway, but yes, like a ho- hometown hero kind of guy. Yes. Although not maybe I would say Robert Hazard, like even more underground, right? Here, yeah, less known because it, it, this this song was not even released. It was a demo. Exactly. And he he did it in like 1979, too. And it managed like it managed to, you know, get in the hands of of the musicians Cindy was working with. It's funny, I've actually never researched like how the song that came from him, you know, to Cindy. But yeah. And because he like his other hits were just sort of like they were like cool new wave hits, but like Escalator of Life. obscure they're they're like new wave cult things but Mm -hmm. you know i think cindy pretty much set him for life to be honest yeah and i didn't i actually didn't know but he says that he was involved in the changing of the lyrics because it you know went interesting okay male perspective to a female perspective and i did i didn't know that he was actually involved in that i thought maybe it was just taken uh and he didn't even know that that was happening but he's he says you know, they like maybe just over the phone talked about how to change it. And, you know, Cindy turned it into a feminist anthem. 
Yeah. And I mean, that's, uh, and it's even like to this day, you know, it's, it's still sort of such a rallying cry. And you know, when she's used it for, you know, she, you know, girls just want to have fundamental rights in recent years for abortion rights. So she's really, you know, it, the song has really kind of grown with her and grown with her career. You know, it started off as like this, you know, fun feminist anthem in the eighties and it's still relevant. She's really, she treats it very well. She's very, um, I think she treats it with a lot of reverence, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I heard it on the radio today. Like it just, it just so gets, <laughs> it's still, it's still getting played nonstop. And then, you know, her second single is what I would also put in the number two spot in terms of recognizability. You know, she had her big kind of party anthem hit with Girls Just Want to Have Fun. And she follows it up with one of the great 80s love ballads, mm-hmm. Time After Time. Such, I mean, such Oof. an amazing, such an amazing song and just hitting. And I mean, I think those two songs, they really show off for range. You know, we have Cindy, who's kind of, you know, the fun feminist anthem, you know, lightweight. And then time after time is a sucker punch of a song mm-hmm. that you hear it. You're just like, oh, my God, like it's so beautiful and so sad and just like just so perfect. And her delivery on this is just so perfect. You know, she really showed like, hey, I can be a great interpreter and great, you know, vocal, you know, uh, you know, I don't need to like overdo it. I mean, you could have she could have done it in like a total like, you know, over the top way. She's like, no, this needs subtlety. So mm-hmm. oh, I just love this record. Right. Yeah. And, and and if you were ready, especially at that time to maybe write Cindy off, like as the, you know, her as girls just want to have fun was like her frivolous, like novelty hit. Here's like the depth to mm-hmm. kind of balance that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one that she wrote. She co-wrote it with a guy named Rob Hyman, who you hear uh, singing along with her during the song. Who I'm reading is from the band, the Hooters. The Hooters. Absolutely. <laughs> the Hooters. I mean, I doing? listen, am I going to draw the connection between the guy being named Hyman and Hooters? Hyman and Hooters, I'm, you know? I'm, I'm not. You'll I'm just not leave it that. out there. You'll let the people draw let their the people own conclusions. Let the people do what they want to do. Okay? That's, um, that's their problem. Uh, but, you know, girls went to number two, but this is this is her first number one hit. This went all the way to the top. And so out of the gate, just like first two singles, smash hits, and withstood the test of time. You, you still hear them all the time. Uh, the third single isn't, I wouldn't necessarily put this one at the three spot in terms of recognizability, but we might as well go chronologically because she was hitting them. It just one after the other in these first few singles. Uh, the third single was uh, She Bought. She I love, I, I mean, just musically, it's just such a cool sounding song, just about, you know, the, the synthesizers, just the bass and just the way she sings. And of course, it's about female masturbation. And what other, who else was singing about that in the 80s? Prince. That's true. Okay. Besides Prince, right? No, Prince. I, no I, <laughs> but uh, no, I know exactly what you mean. I, and also for a woman to sing about it, I, I prefer. Um yeah, I a very cool thing. And I mean, I don't know. I was such a kid at this point. I had no idea what oh, the yeah. no um, idea what it meant. I mean, I had no idea what it meant. I also don't know if that was like part of the cultural conversation, because to me, it's not like an obvious, you know, anthem about that. It's kind of a sneaky one. Uh, and and so I guess like 
I don't know if, you know, people were mad. was also trying to ban that. Like, I'm not yeah. sure. Okay. People were mad for sure. It was on the filthy 15. Someone, someone listened to the lyrics and put two and two together. Ah. Mm-hmm. Also, I think the video is relatively explicit. She's got like <laughs> yeah. a, a porno mag that she's looking at. So kind <laughs> of spells it out in case the subtlety did not, uh, did not reach you. And this song went to number three. Uh, so we've, we've got quite a streak here uh, of, of hit after hit after hit. The fourth single off She's So Unusual, song that I, I feel like is in heavy rotation on 80s radio all through the night. We have no past. We won't reach back. Keep with me forward the night. Written by the wonderful Jewel Shear, who the secret like songwriter, uh, hit maker of so many songs of the eighties. Um, but yeah, it's just beautiful. And, you know, and we talked about her being, you know, such a great vocalist and, you know, she interpreted the song in just such a beautiful way. Yeah. And if you listen to the original Jules Shear version, it's a little more acoustic, a little more bouncy. But, you know, Cindy does something different with, with her version. Um, and he sings, uh, he sing, he does backup vocals on this, uh, and it goes to number five and it makes Cindy Lauper the first, uh, female artist to have four top five hits off, uh, one album. Incredible. And it was her debut album too. So she really out of the gate. I mean, that's what makes the album like so iconic. It just has, it has all these huge songs on it. Now, I, I don't think there's, I wouldn't say any other songs off She's So Unusual are like widely recognizable. Uh, so then we go to her next album, which was 1986, True Colors, which obviously the title track is a song that I think a lot of people know. I would actually probably put that in the three spot in terms of recognizability. I would well, agree with you that. You and Spotify would do that as well. <laughs> yeah, well I, I looked at the I looked at the Spotify uh, and it was you know those are the top three by a mile. There's like about a, a gap of a hundred million after oh, wow. those three. But what's funny is there's a gap of a, about three hundred million in between the top three. Girls just want to have fun. It's about eight hundred million. Time after time is about five hundred million, and True Colors is around two hundred. Wow! But and then after that, it's uh, uh, you know below a hundred million. Real chump change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's only in the ten tens of millions uh, um, after that. But True Colors, another uh, another beautiful song. Oh yeah. And that's become such an anthem too, um, for human rights and mm-hmm. LGBTQ rights and things like that. And that's, you know, and she's adopted it for tours and things like that. So that's another song that's really just become so special to her and has really sort of transcended its roots too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I would say after that, though, there aren't too many songs that you hear like on the radio still or that you hear out and about. I would say that's where my knowledge of Cindy Lauper stops, but we can mention her other songs that charted, maybe didn't withstand the test of time. The change of heart was also off true colors. Went to number three. 
I have to admit, I had never heard it before, but people might remember it if they were, you know, listening to the radio and watching MTV in 86. It's called Change of Heart. I don't know that one. Yeah. Just offhand. And then, you know, the next album was in 89. It was called A Night to Remember. And this had her last big hit, uh, I Drove All Night. Which is such a great version of the song. Yeah. And it went to number six. I have to be frank. I knew the Celine Dion. Celine Dion one is the one I'm familiar with. And I knew it from a car commercial. No shame. Yeah. No shame. And uh, she does not, Cindy does not make the top 40 uh, again after that song. And so that's where I would, that's how I would kind of like summarize. So the, the, the 80 for Brady song hasn't cracked the, the charts. If you can believe it. Yeah. What, what even is that? And who's on it? Oh my gosh. uh, It's Gloria Estefan. Is Dolly? Dolly and Belinda. Belinda and Cindy. Belinda and and Cindy. Oh yeah. What? Wow. (laughs) I don't think I made it all the way through the music video. (laughs) And those are people I like. Like a lot. Those are artists that I really like. That song is not good. And they are all in like glitzed out uh, Patriots Patriots jerseys. (laughs) They're in like glammed out rhinestone bedazzled Patriot Pats jerseys, like in front of a very obvious green screen. None of them are together. And if they're like on screen at the same time, it's clear they are not in the same room that they have been like. God bless them. God bless those queens. I have one more song that we didn't mention that we have to mention or people are going to get so mad at you. Mm-hmm. Is it the Goonies? It is the Goonies. Oh, yeah. The Goonies are good enough? Yes. When she played, she played that live on a tour. And I remember that it was, and I don't even, this was like, I don't know, 15 years ago. And people were so excited that she, and I mean, I was excited too, but the fact that she played that, like, that is like, it's so funny because it was a top 10 hit, which mm-hmm. is wild to think about. She was just so popular at that point, but like that has such a cult following. Like yes. people, yeah. It's so connection I, I want- to the, to the movie. That's a, That's a good point. Yeah. It came, came on the soundtrack in between. She's so unusual in true colors. And yeah, like you said, a top 10 hit, not one outside of the movie you're really hearing too often, but definitely like that movie's big enough that you're right. It is, it is worth a mention. The movie's big enough. Goonies are good enough. The Goonies are good enough. The Goonies apostrophe are apostrophe (laughs) good enough. Let's be, let's be. It's not often too that like, yeah, a song that's like from a soundtrack just directly mentions like you know the characters uh, uh, the characters <laughs> yeah. you know i guess i could think of like what the the whatever that mc hammer song that he did for the adams family mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah but in the 90s <laughs> i was thinking about that the other day all right so let's go to the next category which is classic albums which uh, of Cindy Lauper's albums are considered classics, and we can also we can use the uh, the Rolling Stone 500 oh, metric as a metric here. Do you guys think Cindy has any entries on the Rolling Stone 500? I do. I bet she's so unusual, and I bet that's yeah. the only one on there. I agree. I think she's so unusual is on there. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. So obviously, yeah. So that's correct. 
And I think you want to make a guess number wise and you can, you know, there's also a, there's two versions of the list. And so you can use that in your guessing mm. if you think it appeared on one or both, or if it went up, if it went down. I think it used to be like 372 and now it's 157. Okay. That's, that's my guess. <laughs> Annie, do you want to participate in Discuss. this uh, fruitless that, exercise? <laughs> that sounds good. I, I think I feel like it's gone up on yeah. the new list. Okay. So on the original 03 list, it was 494. Oof. All right. Barely making it on there. And then in the 2020 Redux, it went up 310 to 184. Boom. Mm, that's top, up. top 200. So. Yeah, has only, if we're to use this as a measurement, has only gotten better with time after time. Um, hey. But yeah, I mean, like that that first uh, album is so loaded with like yeah. the songs that we associate with Cindy. Absolute classic. And then after that, I don't, I don't see a, a ton of people going to bat in terms of what are the all-time classics. But, you know, we can talk about the trajectory of her discography folded into the next category, which is critical acclaim. Because the critical acclaim a little bit, I would say, at first reflects the public response, but then it gets kind of interesting as, as we go along. Because the critical reception on, on the first album was largely pretty positive. Um, and I, I even, I you know, sometimes we check out what the dean of rock critics, Robert Criscow, had to say. And he said the first side hey. was an eternal classic. And so he's kind of an, or he can be an ornery fellow. So e even he <laughs> uh, had some had some nice things, really nice things to say about She's So Unusual. Um, but by the time we get to the third album, he's saying, and this is, this is very harsh, uh, how embarrassing to have placed hope in this woman. Oh well, my God. Really, really, wow. really harsh. And, you know, it, we, we looked at him to sometimes try to gauge what generally critics were saying at that time or how they felt, you know, that that's potentially a thermometer and, you know, the, the, her, her subsequent albums, especially that third one were not received super well by the critics. The nineties is kind of an interesting period for her because even though she wasn't selling a lot of records, she got some really nice reviews on Hatful of Stars in 1993 and, and Sisters of Avalon in, in 1996. It is. And you know, it feels like both of those records, like in the 90s, it was sort of like, where does Cindy Lauper fit into music, popular music? You know, because, you know, Madonna, I think, had, you know, kind of evolved in a way that like made sense for like kind of 90s pop and cindy was basically like i'm gonna do whatever i want to do i might do some dance music but i'm also gonna do some reggae maybe i'll do some blues which was just like totally against the grain about anything else going on so i think people were sort of like you know it makes sense why she started acting and she was on mad about you at this point because right. she was like you know she was really trying to expand what you know maybe people well, thought of her and her career and I remember the movie Vibes that she mm. was in when that I was ad was little. so like I remember yes. there being like a commercial because she played like a psychic or something. Was Jeff Goldblum in that? Yeah. Whatever. That's a Jeff Goldblum movie. Yeah, I the remember. Ad was really memorable. It was like it was like hands on the TV screen, right? Yeah, yeah. I had no it, idea what the movie was about, but I was like, oh, it's Cindy. I was like Cindy Lauper. I like her. <laughs> That punk ahead, rock lady. Ahead, ahead of her time, calling it vibes. I feel like that would be yeah. a, a title for a movie, you know, 30 years later. Truly. 
Um, but yeah, so I, I guess to say that I feel like the critical reception has been kind of up and down over the years. I think maybe yeah. looking looking back, I, I think it's generally pretty positive. And when she had her kind of creative experimentation period, that is something that I think critics respond to. Maybe not the public, but, you know. And we can talk about the public with the next category, commercial success. Mm-hmm. Uh, came out swinging. I mean, she's so unusual, went six times platinum. Uh, but, you know, then it's it starts to taper off. Uh, it's like a kind of a perfect uh, downward slant. Uh, True Colors was two times platinum. And then after that, it kind of got smaller and smaller. But that first album, you know, sold well and, and continued to sell well for, for a long time. You can't act like... Cindy Lauper wasn't commercially successful. That's Absolutely. A, it's a given. And then there's there's longevity, which you, you can kind of look at longevity two ways. You can t- kind of talk about the Im- imperial phase, which is She's So Unusual comes out at the end of 83. And then, you know, she has two more albums with her last top 40 hit being in 89. So we're looking at like six years, which is not terrible, but, you know, if you are to try and figure out why she didn't make the ballot until now, Maybe that's the reason, especially since you mentioned there's always kind of been like this unfair Madonna comparison yeah. that, that the media kind of put together. Like, are you a Madonna or a Cindy Lauper fan? And that's I mean, if you're if you are to be competing against Madonna, like good luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for that to have transpired like that. You know, then like cause she was an 80s artist, like pretty like, like you know, right up to 89. It was like that was Cindy's period. And then Madonna, like you said, evolved and continued to have commercial success as as long of a career as like anyone has has ever, ever had. had, you know, Cindy had her period. But then you think about longevity, think about how Cindy's still around. She's still can perform, can still sing, is still visible and doing stuff, even if it's not as you know, a super famous pop artist. Now it's like her legacy period, I think has been a a kind of a vital one. And I think because that, you know, as we sort of talked about the fact that she did sort of decide, okay, I'm going to do different things, you know, and like she did, you know, Kiki Boots, which was such an amazing success. And like, and I guess that was later, I guess. So I think that was about a decade ago. But like, you know, she she kind of found her niche again and said, you know, this is where, you know, I mean, she's perfect for Broadway and for a musical. It's like, you know, how did you not do that before? Because it makes so much sense. And so, you know, she really tried out a lot of different things and kind of found found her groove and found new audiences, I think, by doing all that stuff. And I think and she did a lot of like sophisticated stuff. And I think that's what also trips people up is that she wasn't necessarily she was like doing more like adult contemporary stuff. She mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily doing like pop music. And like, if you know, I think a, you know adult contemporary has such a bad connotation sometimes. It's like, oh, you're boring. You're adult contemporary. But, you know, she was doing some really you know successful stuff, which mm-hmm. I think, you know, she had Grammy nominations. It's like, you know, she was still kind of, you know, operating, had success and was touring and things like that. It just wasn't, it looked, her success looked different, I guess, than it did mm-hmm. because she had such massive success in the eighties. Like she really set herself up to, there was no way she could duplicate that. Right. And like you said, adult contemporary, or when you think about like, you know, her 2003 jazz standards cover album. Right. Doesn't feel rock and roll in the traditional sense. But if we also look at rock and roll through the lens of like 
not giving a fuck and doing whatever yes. you want. It's like, yeah, in a way, doing a, you know, a duet with Tony Bennett on making Whoopi is rock and roll. Cause like, why else would you do baby clothes? He should. He's so ambitious. Not really. He even so. 2003, babe. But don't forget, folks. That's what you get, folks. For making Whoopi. Well, and I'm seeing that like she was nominated in the best traditional blues album category in 2011 for Memphis Blues, for Memphis which was I'm a just... super massive chart hit, which was like number one on like the Billboard Blues charts for like an absurd amount of weeks. And it's like, but you didn't. It's funny because unless you were paying attention, maybe you didn't hear about that. That's what's so funny about it is that she was sort of hiding in plain sight, having all these successes in weird areas that you maybe didn't necessarily recognize that it makes sense why she wasn't nominated for the rock and roll hall of fame because at that point she was not doing anything remotely like her you know early career so it was sort of kind of befuddling i think for people she she defies expectation no doubt let's talk about uh the next category influence which i think is a is a strong one yeah for cindy uh you know if not for the fact that she like kind of brought one of the early artists to kind of bring new wave and even like punk aesthetics to the wider mainstream. Absolutely. And she made it so, you know, she made it so like, you know, eight-year-old girls in the middle of the suburbs could be like, quote unquote, punk. You know, mm -hmm. it was sort of like, you know, parents weren't going to be like, the Clash is great. You can emulate them for kids. <laughs> but like Cindy Lauper, that's the type of punk I can get behind. And I mean that in a completely positive sort of way mm -hmm. that she was sort of offbeat and sort of, you know, off the beaten path. And I mean, might she, say she was so unusual. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she made it so it was OK to be yourself and be totally weird. And, you know, like if you didn't fit in, she was kind of like, I'm if I, I don't fit in and I'm going to go over the top and make sure you know that. And that's totally cool. And people are going to think that I'm awesome because of it. Like, that's great. You know, like that's like the best message you could send. Well, and there is like such a straight line between someone like her and Lady Gaga, Absolutely. like somebody who celebrates kind of being quirky, being individual, being, uh, you know, queer, like things like that. And she is such she was just like such a trailblazer in that regard. And I think that's also, you know, maybe one of the areas too where like she and Madonna kind of got a little bit like, you know, that's where they had a lot of crossover and that's positive crossover where they're like standing up for, you know, uh, similar causes and things like that. But like the fact that she at that time and sent and has since, like, I guess I feel like I see her still in documentaries as like a talking head about like, women's rights about human rights of all yeah. kinds you know i like people go to her uh to to speak on these things and she is like you know um continues to be very outspoken about the you know uh unfair treatment of all types of marginalized people and I think that that's like a very cool thing. And I think that like you just see that singer activist, not that she's like the original in any regard, but like you can really see her influence on on artists today in that way as well. And then not just that, mm -hmm. but like then the Gaga kind of, you know, being a, a weird individual, like having fun, being, you know, uh, colorful as a person, you can really feel that. 
And I mean, I think uh, it's so true. Like, like her philanthropy, I mean, you could, you know, write an entire, like have a podcast alone on just all of what she's done as an activist. And you wonder sometimes if potentially over the years that maybe hurt her because, you know, she was like, you know, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to do this stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of people, you know, maybe we're like, oh, you know, wow, you know, she was, she didn't care if it wasn't, she knew that it was right. And she knew that it was the kind of the integrity, you know, the, you know, integrity filled thing to do. So she did it anyway, but you know, not a lot of people are scared to do that. And she was, she's never been scared to speak out and she's never been scared to speak up for what's right and what she believes in. And that can be very intimidating to some people, you know, that can be for some people, it's like, you know, she's always you know put her money where her mouth is and her actions have always kind of backed up what she was saying. And you don't, a lot of artists just don't, you know, don't do that. You know, maybe they'll give some money. It'll be a token type of thing. Like Cindy is all in, in terms of being supportive. And you can, I think that's why she has such a passionate fan base too, is that people really respond to that. Like Cindy will always show up and mm-hmm. that's, that's really, really powerful. Cruising and perusing her Wikipedia page, but, um, Uh, Just seeing that, uh, you know, she had experienced homelessness as like a teen, you know, she left home to like escape abuse and then has gone on to, you know, try to really give back to the community of runaway teens and, you know, people who are, you know, ostracized, uh, in particular, like LGBTQ youth and stuff. And that is that's just cool. She's cool. Yeah. She she rocks. I'll say it. She rocks. Yeah. And you know the, the word I keep thinking as we're talking about her is, is fearless. Yeah. Like her her advocacy, but then also you know when you get back to the music, like what what she wanted to do, how she did it. She has a beautiful voice, but she didn't sound typical, especially in a lot of those songs. I mean, I think she helped to set the the template for especially women and you know at this time in the at the record industry you know some of the achievements that she made helped to prove uh what was possible for an you know an extremely misogynistic industry and so uh, i just think yeah the influence continues to this day she had massive ripple effects uh let's talk about artistry slash skill which is the the next category you know like we said very talented singer uh, and a distinct one too, someone whose voice you can you can recognize. And you know, there, there's artistry from the visual perspective. She obviously had an aesthetic, and you know, her like I want to get back to what we were talking about with like the the songwriting skills, because a lot of those big hits, she some of them she didn't write, you know, some of them she co-wrote. But over time, I feel like you know some of those later albums, she's she wrote the majority, if not all of them. And then when you look at something like Kinky Boots, where, you know, she wrote the book for that uh, Mm -hmm. musical and won Grammys, you know, she's in the, she's in the songwriters hall of fame as of a few years ago. I mean, it's funny. Yeah. She got in the songwriters hall of fame before the rock and roll hall of fame. And it's like, you know, sometimes it's the other way around. You know, I always mm-hmm. come back to the song Sally's Pigeons and she wrote it first off. She wrote it with Mary Chapin Carpenter, mm-hmm. who, again, like people I think in the 80s would have been like, really? Like that's, you know, Mary Chapin Carpenter is such this amazing kind of country Americana artist. And it's it's such an incredibly moving song. Until she told me she was late and Sally lay. 
stuff that was ever released as a pop song is really impressive. It's about a friend of hers who died after having a back alley abortion. And so it's it's an incredibly moving song and it's an incredibly sad song. Um, but, you know, when you think about like, you know, the, the, it, it came out in 1993 and, you know, and obviously at the time, I think abortion rights as they are now were such a at the forefront kind of a pop culture. But like when you think of her as like a songwriter, like that was only a decade after She's So Unusual and she's writing these like really mature, sophisticated, meaningful songs. You know, she matured really fast as a songwriter too. And I think, you know, that maybe, you know, if, if you're not, again, if you weren't paying attention, maybe you didn't realize that she wasn't kind of the, you know, chirpy 80s pop star, but that's, you know, that's why she's in the Songwriters Hall of Fame is like songs like this. Mm-hmm. Like she just, you know, you know, had no... You know, she wrote about what meant things to her. She wrote about what was important to her. She wrote about what, you know, made sense for her to support and what she wanted to support. Um, and so that that's just one of the songs. I, I That's one of my favorite songs by her, actually. Yeah. Well, and I'm seeing too, it's like, yeah, she performed, you know, True Colors when they signed the most recent, like, law protecting uh, marriage rights yeah. for gay people um and she like performed that there it's like she she is aware of her place in history and yeah she's not afraid to you know be outspoken on uh, and and she really doesn't care now i i do want to bring up one thing that is working against her i don't know if you guys are aware of this i just found out her son is a white rapper Oh, no. um, <laughs> I don't think I her knew that. son is a white rapper. I just found out his name is Dex, Dex Lopper. He has 2.2 million followers on Instagram. His Twitter is messy. Um, <laughs> I would not, you know, it, I just does this. Stop, does, I say stop. Just stop talking about it. We we can't yeah. be the ones to break this story. Um, I I don't want that I blood on my hands. Shocked. He's he's got braids. I mean, I okay. I, I you, would you say Come he's letting his? Is he letting his true colors? Uh, no. <laughs> Come get your boy. You are a rich kid. It is okay. Whatever. I that's not for me. It's not for me to know or to judge but i am doing it but i but i am knowing and judging uh and that's just that let's uh let's let's breeze past this uh and go to uh the final category maybe the most important category does my mom know who they are absolutely cindy cindy i i would almost say that cindy is probably like the nominee this year that probably like spans the most generations in terms of people that know her yes yeah i would say you know i would have thought maybe cheryl crow had kind of the mom vote on lock or like the mom recognition on lock but i think cindy has got it more than she does even yeah i mean i put i put willie nelson up there but like cindy i and i i wrote some stuff down just because I was I was starting to compile a list just thinking about how Cindy is everywhere, right? She has Grammys and, and Tonys and, like we said, an Emmy for acting. She did the theme song for Pee-wee's Playhouse. Uh, we'd even mentioned she's one of two artists uh, this year on the ballot who was on in We Are the World. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the high watermark at the time for who is the most famous artists around 
you know, and she has a very distinct and recognizable verse in that song. She was her all wrestling. Of- uh, can I yes. can I mention her wrestling? That's exactly mm-hmm. what I was going to get to. Absolutely, the professional greatest wrestling. thing. Yeah, like, please. So, like, I well, I mean, I there are. I mean, we were talking. There's so much online about like her. Like, she had so many storylines in the '80s. Like, it's. I wrote a story once, and it ended up being like almost three thousand words because there's so much to talk about. But yeah, she's not in the wrestling hall of fame either, and that's another like people. I, I am like the head of the Cindy needs to be in the WWE Hall of Fame as well. Because she really, she at, at at a time when they needed it, she helped to popularize. Yeah, it was wrestling. on MTV. It was on, you know, on regular TV too. Like she really helped, you know, wrestling become like MTV friendly. Like just like how she brought so much music to it. And it's funny too. Like you look at her and like all of her storylines are hilarious. Like they've they've aged pretty well. They're pretty over the top, but they're pretty good. And she That's and she fun. fits kind of seamlessly into the world of like the yeah. over the top. Uh, kind of colorful characters in, in pro wrestling. It makes me wonder if like, I, cause I don't know how, I don't know how the WWE hall of fame works, but it makes me wonder if she has not been interested in it. Cause like, she seems like such an obvious inductee for them given the, the long and, and storied history. So I don't know, I guess someone has to start a WWE hall of fame podcast <laughs> and then they can figure it out. But you know, her music videos played a lot. And I just very quickly threw, threw together a, list of the tv shows she's been on because her it's and it's a long list but this is just this is just a section of it that's so raven 30 rock gossip girl project runway young sheldon five episodes of bones the simpsons johnny <laughs> Wait, carson I'm sorry she had a character arc on she had a bones? character on amazing bones, Kristen. i so, am so jealous honestly my imdb is quivering <laughs> right now i cannot you, take this when you look at all the talk shows she was on johnny carson she was on david letterman she was on leno conan kilborn Kimmel, Fallon, Colbert, Seth Meyers, James Corden, John Oliver, Bill Maher, Howard Stern, Chelsea Lately, Ellen, Regis, Carson Daly, Oprah, Rosie O'Donnell, Piers Morgan, Graham Norton, Rachel Ray, Wendy Williams, Watch What Happens Live, Kelly Clarkson, three different VH1 Divas concerts, Celebrity Apprentice, The Chew, The the Chew, The Talk, The View, and like truly- The Chew and The View? The Chew and The View. Okay. And then like I 250 others, like it's just insane. She's ubiquitous. That's that's the word. She's you know her. She's everywhere. She's an icon. So it's time to make, you know, I just also want to before we make our decisions, I do want to say that on July 18th of 2022, her son did tweet. Can I get some privacy with six exclamation points? It has one like and one comment. Bringing Um, this up. (laughs) I also did want you to know, don't worry, he's doing fine. Two days ago, he did tweet, life is good. Three likes, one retweet. So um, I, I am going to mention him later, but you, you'll see why. But let's get to our verdict oh no. first. Should she be in the Rock Hall? Will she get in? Will it be this year? We'll start with Kristen. Oh, yeah. I mean, she should get in. Duh. She's very, uh, <laughs> she rocks. She's um cool she's important uh she's talented she's got the goods she's bringing it in a lot of categories um yeah obviously she's a she's a she's great will she this year it's not looking likely for our girl i i'd say 
I'd put her on the on the on the very edge of the bubble. Like I'd put her as like my last person. The bubble is like about to pop and like Cindy's just like got a fingernail on it, you know, kind of thing. Um, it's not out of the question just with regard to the the reigning of the 80s has, you know, the 80s have arrived. Um, but I think with the Kate Bush ascendancy and the I I just and the kind of the fact that she's not um as big of a hall darling I think it's not just it's a very very talented and worthy class this year and and even if she doesn't get in it doesn't mean that she shouldn't and so I would say I think she will get in though and I think she'll get in in the next I mean I always say 5 years as just like a thing but I I do think you know I think in the next 5 to 7 years we're looking at a at Ms. Lopper uh, okay the there's hall. the verdict Annie what do you think I mean we don't even have to should she obviously but you know absolutely what, should she do you, do you think it will be this year see I I think it will be this year I I disagree and I think because well first off I think she has the first time nominee thing going for her that like yes. we talked about, like with the momentum. I also think that even though the fan vote counts for one vote, she is like neck and neck with George Michael on the fan vote. And I think that I, I feel like even just sort of psychologically that has more sway than people might realize. So I feel like, and I think that she's liked in the industry. And I think that, you know, she could, because she's collaborated with so many people and so many, you know, rock and roll hall of famers already. I, I think, I, think she has a better a better shot than we think how mm-hmm. many duets with willie nelson has she done though uh, have they two. ever duetted two two okay yeah so yeah, that see. there you go she's got that because they remember they did let's call the whole thing off when we talked about that i i do not i mean okay, there were so was... many duets to go through on that <laughs> yeah. episode i couldn't tell you but he he's also on that that uh country album Andy was talking about detour uh, um i also believe that at any rate um i think she should i think she will I've been going back and forth on whether it will be this year just because someone is getting snubbed. Like I said, I think there are yeah. nine artists that have a really strong shot and she is on the bubble for me. I'm glad you brought up the fan vote because that's been kind of tipping the scales for me a little bit. The fact that like George Michael- Let me go take a look at this fan vote. George Michael and Cyndi Lauper are running away with it and they are neck and neck and it has gone back and forth a Mm -hmm. bit. And then it's like a huge gap until you get to the third one, which is Warren Zevon. If I am to go based on what I believe to be true, which is that the, the does my mom know them category is the most important one. If I were to abide by that, I would have to say that yes, she's getting in this year. And it 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 is she is primed to like like you said first ballot, hugely famous, has worked with a lot of people, beloved by the industry. It would be foolish to say that she wouldn't get in, but someone's getting snubbed and it's like is she going to get in over Kate Bush, over Warren Zevon, over Joy Division New Order? Those are probably the ones that are hanging out uh around with her around the bubble and she's got the she's got the fame part of it more than the rest of them and even with this kind of momentum for Kate Bush there's going to be voters that just do not want to vote for Kate Bush because they never connected with her cuz she wasn't on the charts cuz she wasn't as famous you know which is a, a sad reality about the voting system but 
I think when push comes to shove, I'm gonna I'm putting Cindy at my like six or seven slot. I'm gonna say she does she does squeak by. One of the reasons why I was thinking maybe she wouldn't was thinking cynically about how like remember when Pat Benatar didn't get in and we yes. were all like, what the fuck? Oh, that's true. That is something I I've been I have been very hurt mm. by this haul. I I <laughs> I do not I don't give them any credit. I guess I just but I, I knew I do. But that's think, been in the back I, of my mind. Tap, it, it could happen. I, I just I that. I give up on these people. I mean, for me, <laughs> the fact that Joe keeps calling Missy Elliott a bubble artist and like that worries me in such a deep way. Like if she doesn't get in, I I mean, I'll lose it. I I won't threaten to quit the show because clearly I have no scruples. But what the hell? If well, she doesn't get in, I'll be so fucking pissed. There's going to be a surprise come in induction announcement morning, which is, you know, exciting that, you know, sometimes we go through these this season and there's no surprises and it's just, you know, everything feels inevitable. There's going to be some. Yeah, it's just there's going to be a surprise and, 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 and we'll see. I, I, you know, we always just have a class of nine people. I don't know. Like, just, just be cool about it. That would be cool. But I think, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to say she gets in now. Let's pretend like she is getting in and let's talk about what that induction looks like. Who gives the speech to inductor? I like I Lady Gaga. Gaga. Yeah. Gaga yeah. is great. And I know they're, they are friends. Uh, and, you know, there was a time when Cindy kind of scaled back her, fashion choices to be like you know like i'm a mom now i'm like older mom to dex lopper and i guess lady gaga convinced her like are you kidding me you're like the queen of dressing crazy i'm like so inspired by that you need to start doing that again and then she did yeah so like they they seem to have a relationship so that's i think a really strong contender the other person that would be awesome would be Cher. yes but i feel like i call hate Cher. i like she's never like I love Cher. She's like I don't think she's ever been in any sort of contention for chat about the Rock Hall, but I think Cher would do an amazing job too because they're such good friends. Mm-hmm. It would really help Cher. Yeah, that's it's true. Good Sets her, up. her case. I mean, it's always a. We've seen it time and time again. The way to get yourself on a ballot is to show up and induct somebody <laughs> else. I mean, Cheryl Crow's Lionel on the ballot Richie this year. Did it. Cheryl, Cheryl Crow did it. Like, you know, it, it happens, y'all. Trent Reznor, Duran Duran. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there are uh, many, many examples of this. It would be nice to set. I mean, Cher doesn't need the layup, but like, go ahead and do it. And they've, they've toured together. They're very, very close. And, you know, do you know who the godmother of Dex is? Mm-hmm. I don't. It's... Patty LaBelle. No! What? No. Patty LaBelle and Cindy are really tight. I love Patty LaBelle. That's so I great. I love Patty LaBelle. Patty LaBelle I, sang this, at Cindy's wedding and is the godmother of her white rapper son. This young man needs to just do some social media silence. He needs to take a little break, take a little step back from being a, uh, you know, egregiously privileged rich fucking white kid i like really i hate the social media of children like this i mean he's 25 now it's not like he's a kid but it's very clear he's like a los angeles uh just 
kid nepo, who grew up nepo, nepo baby, baby. exactly it's like very nepo baby vibes it's a lot so i'm sorry to hate on her son so much but i'm also not sorry why did she do that why couldn't she have a cool son um let's maybe talk about cool someday let's talk about the the performance you know if we're assuming she plays three songs patty labelle she's so cool i love patty labelle sorry it would be so cool if she if she, she showed a up, great speech and oh, that would be her. amazing and, and that, that would be set another setup too that's someone i would love to see on a ballot mm-hmm. that is somebody i coming. would love to see on a ballot long time coming but let's talk yeah let's talk about if she has to play three songs at the ceremony you know, I'd say you you start with time after time, do true colors and end with girls just want to have fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. That that to me feels like the obvious uh three song set. Anyone I have feel any? like I I have no additional opinions, but I do feel like this idea of the three song set, I I just I feel like we don't know anything anymore about like how sometimes they come on, they play five songs, sometimes they, they play yeah. one medley, sometimes they do one song and three other artists come out and do the rest of them. Like mm-hmm. the the they've thrown the rule book out the window. <laughs> I feel like last year, what was it? Everyone had eight minutes. Wasn't that like what, like they, that's what people were saying in the press that they had eight minutes to play their songs to do in LA. With, with it, whatever they want. Right? Yeah. And well, I so- think, and, and I think, I think everyone ended up doing three songs and then HBO, some of them got cut maybe if I remember. As correctly. I recall, oh, for sure. they would do three songs, but they would be abbreviated versions of the songs yes. at the ceremony. So they would, they wouldn't play the full songs and they were almost, it was almost medley. Like they would play maybe the first third or two thirds of the song, like make it to the chorus and then go to the next song, make it to the chorus and go to the next song. Uh, and even those were some, some sections of those were cut for the broadcast, but that's what, I mean, she wouldn't want to just do songs after she's so unusual, which is why I think true colors has to be in there. And girls just want to have fun. Feels like you close with that. Unless that's the, the jam. jam. <laughs> Mm. that's how you could get in that's how they could like you know her get an extra song depending on like who gets in the the you know inductees i'd put my money on willie nelson being the being the closer you know yeah. dolly, dolly parton style because like if you can get you know yeah i just that i put my money on that but i, I like i like see, the idea i see true colors being a group number though I see her That's starting true. it and then I see just voice after voice joining her in harmony until we have a whole line of, you know, diverse and interesting people standing in a line, crushing this song in, you know, nine part harmony or whatever like that, I think would be very cool. Uh, call me Rick. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, Patty LaBelle and Cindy Lauper have sung time after time together and it's, it's, it's very, uh, it's very good. Patty, call me as well. Come to the ceremony, Patty. Come back to town. Oh, also, I don't think we have shared this yet. Um, we're not breaking Share? this news. Shared it? Okay. We're not breaking this news, but the ceremony is going to be in New York this year. Oh. We're going to be back at the Barclays Center. That's news to me. Interesting. This summer? This uh, winter? This fall? <laughs> late October, early November. Okay. Same as, right. same as last year. Uh, Annie, would you go? Cindy or not? That's a good question. I haven't missed a ceremony in like, I, I can't even remember when. So, well, no, I guess I take that. Well, because I would watch it at the Rock Hall if it wasn't in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I would like to. 
it depends on who gets in. Like if Kate Bush gets in, I I'm, I mean, I don't think Kate's going to fly over because like Kate doesn't like to do that. I think she would probably do like a satellite thing. We don't know. But, but like the possibility, like if Joy Division New Order get in, like would Peter Hook like rejoin? Like no. I would kind of <laughs> like to see that. I don't yeah, know. Right? I mean, yes, awkward, awkward band moments. Yeah, like right there. It would be like, you know, Peter Hook on the red carpet by himself and then the rest of the band. You would hope uh-huh. that they would like do something, but it's a good question. I would have to know when it is and what else would be going on. But because is that what is it Barclays? I've never actually Barclays. been to the Bar- I've never actually been to the Barclays Center. It's huge, but it's fun. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I've been a few I, times. I would consider it strongly. I would not be averse to going. Let's put it that way. All right. Mm. Excellent. Well, Annie, thank you so much for joining us. This was great. So fun to this talk to you. This is so fun. I yes. love talking about Cindy anytime, especially with you guys. Uh, and uh, anything you'd like to plug if there's, uh, you know, your, your writing or, you know, the 33 and a third, uh, what do you want to get out there? That's true. I have a reissue of my 33 and a third on Duran Duran that came out last year, late last year, that has photos and an interview with Simon Laban and it's hardback and it's very nice. I actually have a book on pink coming um, over the summer. It's like an illustrated biography. So speaking of people who are, Pink's you know, another influenced, influenced by Cindy. Person. Exactly. Also friend of the hall could yes. show up. hundred percent. That's, that's exactly what it is. I'm sorry. I'm calling it. So true colors begins. It's Cindy Lauper spotlight. It's dark. She's in a solo spotlight right above her. And she's asking, and then we just hear what, what's that voice? Boom. It's another one. Booyah. It is pink, right? It's pink to her left. Then boom. On the other side, it's Lady Gaga. And then we're just, we're going out and out and out. It's Brandy Carlyle. I was going to say it's Brandy Carlyle. We're talking the hall. It's going to be Brandy Carlyle. Brandy Carlyle. Like, you know, oh, that would be cool. Sorry, well, that's, ex- that's exciting. Uh, you just pink. like put your apple, like your resume. You just need to slide it in, even if there's like no, you know, for open positions. Just be like, I have ideas. I have ideas. Hell yeah! Well, I've uh, burned too many bridges. <laughs> well, they know how I really feel. Your your writing's great, Annie. Everyone should check it out. And you know, you've even written uh, articles about why Cindy should be in the rock hall and the wwe hall make sure, i have uh to Absolutely. check that out and people can follow you on uh, twitter and instagram the socials what's the handle uh so on twitter as long as twitter is up right now it's right. at annie zaleski instagram is annie zaleski author and i think those are the two main places i live excellent uh and our listeners know they can follow us at rock hall pod on those places, rockhallpot at gmail.com is an email. If you want Kristen to see your message, you need to say that somewhere. Otherwise, she would prefer if I didn't forward it to her. Uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us five stars only. Anything less is rude. Thank you to Mike Lloyd for the logo, Yusu Kim for the music, and Pantheon Podcast for hosting us. I'm Joe Quazala. I'm Kristen Studdard. And who cares about the rock hall? Rock hall.